0: Hey, Coach Arlen here. What do Walt Disney, Andrew Carnegie, Benjamin Franklin, Thomas Edison, and FDR all have in common? They shared one secret that propelled them to achieve remarkable success. They each belonged to a mastermind group. If you've never experienced the power of a mastermind group, now is your opportunity. Join my business success mastermind group today. New cohorts are starting soon. To learn more, go to ib4e-coaching.com forward slash mastermind. Hey, Coach Harlan here, welcome back to the podcast. Hope you guys are having a phenomenal week. I'm having a great week and I'm excited to introduce you to uh, my guest today from Atlanta, uh, Brian Will. Brian Will is a serial entrepreneur and an industry leading business and sales management consultant. During his career, Brian has created or co-created seven very successful companies in four different industries. Those companies were worth over half a billion dollars at their peak. Currently, Brian owns a chain of restaurants in the Atlanta area, as well as real estate company, and he sits on the city council in Alpharetta, Georgia. Brian is also the author of the Wall Street Journal best-selling book, The Dropout Multi-Millionaire.
1: Brian, welcome to the show. Coach Arlen, thanks for having me. This yeah, is awesome.
0: This, this is very good. All the way from Atlanta. That's cool. It's not often that I get to talk to people from my hometown.
1: Yeah, right there. up the street. Yeah. Sorta. Sorta. Sort of. Sort <laughs> of. Good deal.
0: <laughs> so restaurants. Can you tell us what restaurants you own? You
1: yeah, I have three different brands. Uh, one of them's called The Derby. That one's been around for 30 plus years. It's yeah. a hole in the wall. Another one's called Cantina Loca, and it is kind of an offshoot Mexican concept. Our main brand is Central City Tavern. That's the one we're expanding.
0: Nice. Very cool. Good deal. All right. Um, I want to get into this more, talk a little bit about how you got your start, how the different companies you created, how you created those, some of the stuff you're working on currently. We'll talk about your book Um, But before we get started, I've got 10 questions that I like to ask all my guests. These are questions made famous on the TV show Inside the Actor Studio, where the host James Lipton asks these questions of his guests from Hollywood TV, film, and stage. And I figure if they're good enough for the Hollywood elite, they're certainly good enough for my guests. Fire away. All right. If you're ready, here we go. Question number one, what is your favorite word?
1: My favorite word is focus, because I think that's what's important.
0: Absolutely. 100%. All right. What is your least favorite word?
1: Failure. I hate failure.
0: We learn from
1: failure, don't we? We do, but...
0: (laughs) All right. What turns you on?
1: Building businesses. That's my hobby.
0: Absolutely. And you've done well. All right. What turns you off?
1: When those businesses fail. (laughs) (laughs) And some do. As good as you think you are, some do. Sure.
0: Absolutely. All right. What sound or noise do you love?
1: I have a place at the ocean. I love the sound of the ocean.
0: What sound or noise do you hate?
1: An alarm clock. I do not like the mornings.
0: <laughs> All right. What is your favorite curse word?
1: I'm a military guy, so it's going to be the F-bomb.
0: Okay. All right. What profession, other than your own, would you like to attempt?
1: Uh, if I had a chance to do it over again, I would have done been a litigation lawyer. I, nice. Arguing is the same thing as negotiating, and, and I love doing that.
0: Awesome. Very cool. All right. What profession would you not like to do?
1: There are several, but I would not want to be a roofer in the summer in Georgia.
0: Absolutely. Brutal. (laughs) Absolutely. All right. Final question. If heaven exists, what would you like to hear God say when you arrive at the pearly gates?
1: Well done. Well done.
0: Yeah. Good job. You have done. An awful lot of stuff, and I want to try to get into some of it if we can. Talk about how you got your start, uh, things you're working on currently, the businesses you had in the past, how you grew those. Um, We'll talk about your book, and at some point, transition into courage and leadership.
1: Okay? Sounds good.
0: All right, listeners, we'll talk about all that and more right after this, so stick with us. well, you don't have to imagine anymore. You can have that and more when you join my business success mastermind group. Join my business success mastermind group today. Learn more at ib4e-coaching.com forward slash mastermind. And I'm back with my guest, Brian Will. Brian, thanks again for agreeing to be on the podcast. It's good to have you here. Look, looking forward to the conversation. So growing up, did you know you wanted to be an entrepreneur or did you have other other dreams?
1: I had no idea what entrepreneur was when I grew up. All I knew growing up was that I loved my grandfather and my grandfather didn't have a job. He owned a little car lot. He had a plate, uh, a big building where he bought and sold equipment. He had a little restaurant. All I knew growing up was my grandfather was so cool because we'd get up and go to all these different businesses and all these people were working for him. And I didn't know what that meant, but it left an indelible impression on me as a child that I think went all the way through my life. And it's what probably drove me today to be an entrepreneur.
0: Very nice. Yeah. Having the multiple streams of, of, of business, right? He had all these different, Yep. Different, that is cool. Very cool. So you talked in the, in the um, intro that you had created or co-created several different businesses in different industries. Tell me a little bit about that. how did you get started in that?
1: Gosh, my first business was landscaping. And, and I only got into that because at the time I had failed out of high school. I managed to get back in and graduate with a D average. Couldn't hold a job doing anything had no education and no discernible skills. And so to me, the easiest thing in the world was to be a landscaper. I could mow grass and dig holes. There you go. So that's what I did and became relatively successful at it before it crashed and burned. And then weirdly enough, a buddy of mine talked to me into selling insurance, which I, I turned him down about 10 times, finally did it only to realize that somewhere along the line, whether it was ingrained in me or, or I learned it somewhere, I was really good at sales And so I became the top producing agent for this agency in Atlanta within six weeks. And at that point, I was like, I might as well start my own business. So I started my own insurance agency. And this was the beginning of the dot-com era. And a year and a half later, I was acquired by a venture capital firm because we had something unique in the market. That's what got me into the venture capital, private equity and technology side. Then we went out and built a technology company and we built another insurance agency online, sold those both to, to venture capital and private equity. And from there turned into consulting because in the, in the corporate world, if you've sold a couple of businesses, mm-hmm. everybody in the corporate world thinks you're a genius now. Right. <laughs> I, I used to laugh when I'm, I, I remember the first time I was standing in a boardroom and I got the CEO and the CMO and the COO and the CIO and all these people. And I'm sitting there explaining to them how this software that we hadn't even developed yet was going to solve all their problems. And I remember thinking to myself, you know, like five or six years ago, I was probably mowing these people's grass. <laughs> and now I'm standing in a boardroom telling them what they're doing wrong and how I'm going to fix it. Just, it fascinates fascinating.
0: That's awesome. Yeah. That's one thing consulting my wife and I are both management consultants, organizational change. So we'd go in when companies were undergoing some major change, like merger acquisition or process reengineering, something like that. And, uh, It was cool because you kind of come in there, point out the mistakes, and then you go home. You know, you come in, show them what what needs to be fixed, and then off you go, yeah.
1: There used to be a UPS commercial. I don't know if you remember this, Harlan, but these guys are talking to somebody and they say, here's your problem, here's your problem, here's your problem. And in the commercial, the guy goes, excellent, can you fix it? He goes, fix it? We're just the consultants. We just tell you what's wrong. (laughs) It's not our job to fix anything. That's right.
0: (laughs) That's right. Exactly. So, um, and now you're into restaurants. Restaurants are tough, aren't they? I mean, aren't the margins- That is one of
1: those misnomers. Listen to me. Every business is tough if you don't know what you're doing. Yeah, 80% of businesses fail. That's a fact. They don't say 80% of restaurants fail. They say 80% of businesses fail. The fact is, if you're in business, you need to learn how the business operates. You need to learn the numbers. You need to learn the percentages. And if you do those things, you'll be successful in whatever business you're in, right? Most restaurant people, unfortunately- most restaurants get started by chefs. Chefs are not business people. And yeah. generally that's why they fail. Yeah. They don't know their numbers. They don't know how to run a business. And so they struggle.
0: Well, not knowing your numbers and, and the focus that like you talked about at the yes. beginning, that is absolutely the things you have to do. You have to know where you are and where you want to be to put a plan together on how to get there.
1: Right. Yes. You always
0: have to And a private pilot. I think you're a private pilot. I am a right?
1: private pilot. Yeah.
0: Um, some of my... Um, coaching and stuff like that. We talk about put the flight plan. Where are you now? Where do you want to be? How do you plan to get there? How, what are your checkpoints along the way? right? Because you always have these, if you look off the wing, you're supposed to see a, a water tower, right? So yes. many minutes in your flight. If you don't see it off the left wing, then something's wrong. You're not on target
1: for your goal. In fact, um, you have a book about flying as it relates to businesses. As I, as I yeah.
0: Thank you for bringing that up. Yes. <laughs> not as popular <laughs> as your book, but yeah, that was the whole thing. Flight planning, you know, how to, how to know kind of where you are and where you want to be and how to get there and the constant checking, right? Those little checkpoints to make sure you're on track. Yep. Um, So yeah, I always heard that restaurants low margin.
1: Is that not true? Again, it depends. Like I would tell you, my restaurants probably run a 15% margin. That's as good as any business out there. Absolutely. But we also understand the numbers and that's the key. Too many restaurant owners don't understand the numbers. Too many business people don't understand the numbers. Yep. I am a, a, a math, numbers, PL money, analysis freak. Nice. That, that's what I focus on. So I, I understand what's going on. Yeah.
0: And you talk about the restaurants, mainly started by chefs. A lot of businesses, people who are really good at something decide, I'm going to open my business.
1: Yep. And Called so the specialist.
0: Yeah. They're very good at what they do, but they don't know how to run the business, right? And that's, that's the thing is trying to get them to understand, take a step back, let's get the foundation together and, and start building from there.
1: I, I say this in my book, I say this all the time, Joe, the plumber, his business won't fail because Joe doesn't know how to be a plumber. Right. His business will fail because Joe doesn't know how to run a business. Yeah, That's the difference. And Joe, if you don't know how to run a business, get somebody who does to help you. This is what coaching is for, mentoring is for, mastermind groups are for. Find somebody to help you run the business and you go do what you're good at and you'll be successful.
0: Absolutely. And I know one of your blogs uh, that I was reading on your on your website, you talk about, are you self-employed or are you a business owner? A lot of yep. people create a business. Essentially, what they're doing is creating a job for themselves.
1: Yep. Right? They that's haven't exactly gotten
0: right. that, that bigger picture where they can have people actually working for them.
1: And in a lot of cases, that's okay if that's what you want. If, if that's what you want, then that's a good thing. You just need to understand that the challenges and the, the risks along with being self-employed or creating your own job. And, and one of the examples, I'll give you a quick example. I'm building my last restaurant. We hired an MEP architect. He was out West. He's designing our restaurant. We're con- doing construction. And all of a sudden, tornadoes roll through the Midwest and destroyed his whole town and his house. Wow. Now, here I am. I need my MEPs drawn. That's mechanical, electrical, and plumbing. I need those drones because my construction crews are standing around and he can't do it. And he called me and he said, Hey, listen, can you give me a few weeks? And I said, no, I, I can't have 50 con- contractors standing here waiting for three weeks. I gotta, I gotta get somebody else to do it. He's self-employed. And, and he just went out of business. Wow. Now, now what do you do? Well, yeah. if you have a company and you have redundancy and you have more people, then you don't have those risks of being knocked out. If you're an independent contractor and you get sick or get hurt, your business stops. Absolutely. So that's just, on the other hand, you don't have employees and you don't have people suing you for EEOC right. and you don't have the government coming. I mean, it, so there's trade-offs. So it really yeah. depends on what you want.
0: Exactly. So know what it is you want before you get out there. Um, so I had a guest on the podcast a couple, a couple weeks ago and uh, we talked about um, school. You know, he doesn't have an education yet he's built, four or five businesses. He now coaches other people on how to grow their business, start the business, everything like that. Your book, The Dropout, were you a dropout?
1: I failed out of high school. Okay. I was my junior year of high school. I just stopped going. And so after the first semester, I had missed 42 of the first 90 days and I was late 24 more Hmm. and they basically kicked me out. And so I ended up having to get back in and I graduated, but it was with a 1.2 1.2 GPA. That's about a wow. little over a D. And then I went into the military. I tried to go to college. I couldn't do it. I'd never learned how to study. So I dropped out of college after that. So that's where the dropout portion came from.
0: But yeah. a lot of people think, and I, I think the the schools kind of do us a disservice by teaching kids, you must have a college education to be successful.
1: hundred percent. No. You have many college educated people work for me right now. <laughs> I have 150 employees. I bet half of them have a college degree. Yeah. It's not about the degree. It's about who you are and your ability to learn, right? So a college degree, and I tell my children this all the time, a college degree will open the door, but it right. will not make you successful. Exactly. So people with college degrees had more doors open than me, but I had more tenacity. I had more, I had more attack mode, go after what I want in every single one of them. Yeah. And so I was able to succeed at a higher level. I had to learn more. I had to fail more. I had to go through more crap than maybe some of those people would have done, but I did it. I became more successful. That college degree isn't going to get you where you need to go. It it will open a door. Trust me. My, both my children have masters. I'm a big Mm -hmm. proponent of education, Absolutely. but it's not the key to your success. You are.
0: Exactly. And you, like we said, you need to know what it is you're going after. Right. Yep. Yes. If I'm having heart surgery, I don't want the surgeon to have learned on YouTube. Yes. <laughs> right? I want All the education he can get at the top schools available. But what is it you want to do if you want to, you know, be uh, um, on, on a manufacturing company or something like that? Right. You may not necessarily have to go to you have to understand how business works, but you don't necessarily have to have that that education. That that's exactly school, right. College education.
1: You do have to be willing to learn, though. Yep. Just because you didn't go to college doesn't mean you're not going to have to learn to be successful. Absolutely. And I'm you're a lifelong to learn learner. A
0: I, take, I take online classes, I read books, I watch videos, whatever it is, because I want to continue to learn. There's always new things coming up. Be open to it.
1: Yeah. Yep. And then again, it, it, back to my story, I had to start at zero or negative 10, where maybe if you have a college degree and master's degree and wealthy parents, and you might get to start at a higher level than me and maybe succeed faster. But There's a way for me to catch up to you very, very quickly. And that's to bring in a mentor and a coach to help me avoid all the mistakes that I'm going to make that I don't know about yet. If I can find that person that's 10 steps ahead and say, don't go that way, go this way, don't do that, do this. Nope, you're doing the wrong thing. Then I can accelerate my growth. I can amplify my business and I can catch up to you in a heartbeat. But it really requires me checking my ego, finding that coach, listening to them and allowing them to help me grow at a much faster pace. That is exactly. a key.
0: That old saying, um, you learn from your mistakes. So learn from other people's mistakes because you'll never live long enough to make them all yourself.
1: That's exactly right. I, I would tell you a funny story and I hate to say this, but I was telling my daughter that she's 18 years old and she's doing something and I said, honey, you got to listen to me. I've done that. And I remember my daughter at 18 going, Daddy, I have to make my own mistakes. How else am I going to learn if I'm doing it wrong? You know, and as a parent you go, oh my gosh, that is yeah. so hard to hear. Yeah. Don't do that as a business person.
0: <laughs> <laughs> if you could avoid it at all. Yeah. Learn from somebody else. Yeah. So the subtitle of your book, um, 37 Business Lessons on How to Succeed in Business with No Money, No Education, and No Clue. Yep. Love that. Can you give us an example? What, what's one of the best business lessons?
1: Well, the first business lesson, and I this was a tough one for me. And one of the things I tell, again, young entrepreneurs is you need to check your ego and you need to check it soon uh, and often. And as a young entrepreneur in my first landscaping company, I wasn't willing to listen. Um, I was one of those hard driving, chip on my shoulder, angry young men who thought I was going to do it my own way. You know, the Frank Sinatra song. Right. Um, And it was a mistake. And it cost me a lot, many, many, many times over. Hmm. When I finally, 15 years later, ran into my mentor at the time, his name was Steve. And he taught me how to be a better business person because I eventually learned to listen to him. That's when everything took off. That's when the success skyrocketed. That's when we went from zero to a, you know, zero to a hundred miles an hour almost instantly. And it was a big lesson for me that I'm not always right. I don't know everything. I need to learn from other people and I need to listen and check my ego. That that's the biggest lesson. And the one thing that made the most difference in my life from a financial and success standpoint is learning to listen.
0: Nice. And there are a lot of things that uh, I've got a business coach, right? You've had coaches and mentors. A lot of times they tell you, you need to do X. And it's like, ooh, cringe. I don't really Mm -hmm. want to do that, right? (laughs) You have to get past that too. Like I said, check your ego. You you have to do what you have to do.
1: Yep. It's the toughest part. I don't want to do that. I didn't ask you if you wanted to. I'm just telling you, if you want to succeed, this is what you have to do. You don't have to listen to me, but if you don't, this is what's going to happen. Yeah. And I did that many times before I was like, you know, he was right about that.
0: That's good. Um, on your website, you talk about a, a mastermind program. Is that up and running yet?
1: So we have just recently launched that. So I've spent a career after building the companies and sold two to venture capital, one to private equity, started doing the consulting I told you about. And I've done probably trained a thousand salespeople. I've been consulting for Fortune 500 companies. I'm doing one right now and retraining their internal sales teams for direct to consumer type stuff. I've done a lot of this stuff. In the last year or so, I got two random offers to come in and speak to large franchise organizations because somebody had picked up my book, read it, and said, oh my gosh, this is good. Please come talk to us. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. And then I got some offers to be on podcasts. And I was like, this is really fun. I really, really enjoy working with entrepreneurs. I call it startup to 10 million in revenue. right? So I really wanted to take those experiences last year and developing it into kind of what you're doing right now, Coach Arlen. So I want to build what you've already got. Um, and so I started putting the websites together. We have the mastermind organization that we're launching called Force Multiplier. And we're looking for five to 10 people that want to work with us. And you know like mine, collaborative thinking, let me teach you some of the stuff I already know. Let me help you avoid the pitfalls. So this is launching literally in the next probably 60 days. We're doing website development and building tech stacks. I don't even know what that is. I got to be honest with you, <laughs> but yep. it's a buzzword. Yep. Um, so yeah, it's it's about to kick off. And I want to bring all that corporate experience down to the individual level, right? Because I think there's a lot that we can do for some of these entrepreneurs out there.
0: Nice. Yeah, and a mastermind is a great great way to do that where you're you're all working together for a common purpose, right? That's really the, the point yep. behind it. You're all there to support each other, help each other grow. Um, if, if you're working on something, maybe I've had experience that I could yeah. share what happened. I literally
1: worked this tech stack thing. I say, I don't, I literally went online and said, I need a tech stack. And I had like five people jump in and go, this is what you need. I went back. I said, somebody needs to help me build a website. I had five people jump in and go, I can do that. One of them is right yeah. here in Atlanta. So I'm going to work with him. Right. I jumped in. I said, have you ever had this problem? Five people jumped in. Right. So it's utilizing other people's experiences yeah. to accelerate your business. And without that mastermind, what would I be doing? Exactly. I don't know. I'd be watching YouTube looking for <laughs> videos, I guess. So masterminds are awesome. Exactly.
0: Very cool. Good stuff. So, and you, you coach a mentor too, right? Mm-hmm. Um, What do you look for in a leader?
1: Um, Again, somebody who's willing to listen. And in my case, so, we'll, and I say startups to 10 million, I, I want to de- more define that to well-funded startups to 10 million. Okay. There are some people, and I'm sure you've run across them that, you meet them right away and it's not going to work. Yeah. They either don't have the money, they're not willing to listen, they don't have the mindset, they don't have the skill set and, and I can't do that. I I need to work with people who have a shot. They've got fire, you know, uh, underneath them. Um, and they have the ability to actually do it because that's the person I can really accelerate. I can't I can't spend a lot of time with folks who don't. So Yeah. Um, and I'm sure you've had those same type of folks yeah. you've run across.
0: It's hard to tell them that though. It's hard to say I don't think this is you. I don't think this is going to work. I don't think this is viable. It's hard to tell them that because they've invested internally, you mm-hmm. know, so much into it.
1: I've so. I, I, I tell this story literally happened to me. A guy up in Gainesville, you're here in Atlanta, mm-hmm. calls me and he says, I have this burrito shop. We've won all kinds of awards. I'm going to build the next Chipotle. Will you come meet with me? I said, sure. Read my book first because I don't want to duplicate stuff that you can already read. I'll see you in two weeks. In two weeks, he comes, we sit down. I said, how you doing? He goes, honest to God, almost didn't show up. I read your book. I know you're going to ask me for my numbers and I don't have them. I said, what do you mean? You don't have numbers. Did you make any money? He goes, I don't know. I said, listen to me. There, there is literally nothing I can tell you right now. There's no help I can give you because you have no idea what you're doing, like clueless. And you're not going to build the next Chipotle if you don't even have a P&L. Yeah. So go home. Put 24 months worth of PLs together, then call me back and we have something to talk about. Otherwise, I mean, we're, we're wasting our time here. Yeah. I never saw that guy again.
0: Exactly. Yeah. I had one client a few years back. I asked him, how did you do last year? He goes, oh, we did really good. I go, great. What was your revenue? We did really, really good. <laughs> okay. What was your profit margin? Oh, we did really good. I go, you have no idea where you are,
1: do you? He goes, no. Not a clue.
0: No idea. No. Um. P&L, why is that so important? I know you've got blog posts and stuff out there about the P&L.
1: I, I, I have a whole speech around this one. I call it time travel and your magic crystal ball. Okay. Right. So I go to a business owner and I say, listen, Mr. Business Owner, how would you like to be able to travel 12 months into the future and see how your business is doing? Wouldn't that be an amazing opportunity for you? And everybody's like, oh my God, that'd be awesome. I said, well, you can actually do that today if you have a P&L. What do you mean? I said, if you can give me 24 months worth of P&Ls, line item by line item, from 24 months ago to today, and then we do basically what we call pattern recognition, and we look at every line item, we look at the pattern month over month over month over month. I can show you where you were, show you where you are, and I can predict where you're going to be. And the formula is this. And if I have to give this more simplistically, let's say we want to predict. Let's say we want to predict a number. Okay. i want to predict what a number. So the, yesterday, the number was seven. What's the number going to be tomorrow? But we have no idea. We don't know what the pattern is. But if I told you over the last five days, the numbers were four, five, six, seven, what do you think the number will be tomorrow? Yeah. It'll be eight yeah. because we can look at history, analyze the pattern and predict the future. You can do this with a P&L by line item. Yeah. And you can look at each one of those individual line items and say, if nothing changes in my business, based on that pattern, I can tell you where you'll be in a year. And if those numbers are going down, I can tell you you're in trouble and you need to change things. If those numbers are going up, I can tell you you're doing the right thing. So this is a long drawn out explanation, but p give you the ability to predict the future. If you know how to analyze the past, they're the most important thing in your business. Nice.
0: Yeah. I tell my clients, you need to have, there's basically five reports, right? Your balance sheet, profit and loss statement, uh, Cash flow statement or income statement, mm-hmm. um, AR and AP. You yep. gotta know where your numbers are, what's happening with those and and how what you do affects those, right? Because everything yep. you do affects those numbers someplace or another. Everything. And, and getting your employees to understand what they do, how they impact the numbers can get them to,
1: to get in line too. That's a whole nother issue. Employee under employees understanding that. And then there's a whole issue with bottom, bottom up ls We do this with sales organizations that most sales organizations don't know, don't understand gone into billion dollar companies and said, look, top line down means nothing. Revenue means nothing. Even if you're profitable, it doesn't mean anything. You got to go from the bottom, build those P&Ls at an individual level and go up. And in, in every single instance I've done that, we've improved profitability, lowered OPEX costs and improved the overall operation of these companies. They, they just don't get it.
0: Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. So um, back on leadership, how many, how many folks do you have working for you?
1: About 150 nice at the moment. Once we get these next two locations open, it'll probably be more 200, two and change. Awesome. And do you have a lot of interaction with them? You say awesome, but sometimes it is and sometimes it's not. (laughs) (laughs) Probably true. I got to be very honest with you. This is the way I operate. So I operate on a concept of teamwork, right? But there are two teams in my organization. There's my team and there's the team my team is my team of executives. Mm-hmm. They're my senior staff. Those are the people that I interact with, deal with, manage the team, which is the other 120 people below them. I try not to interact with them, to be very honest with you for a number of reasons. Sure. One is because the old general scenario, if I walk in and say something, people tend to jump and do things they shouldn't be doing. And I think it's innocent or whatever. I might be making a joke. Yeah. Two, I don't want to be a disciplinary at that level because it's not my job. It undercuts the people that are their superior their managers. True. So I try to keep my interactions at the highest level right. of the organization. And everybody else I'm just friendly to. Good. Right. If they ask me questions, I'm like, I don't know what to tell you. You need to go talk to your manager. <laughs> yeah. Not not my it's above my pay grade. Like, so,
0: so you got your leadership team. Yes. Okay. If I was to bump into any of those folks and ask them about you. And what your leadership style is. What would they tell me? What kind of leader are you?
1: Extremely hands-off. Okay. Uh, I manage p ls That's what I do. I sit at 30,000 feet. I've got multiple companies, multiple restaurants. I've got multiple teams. I sit at a high level. I manage a p l My p l can tell me everything that's going on in my organization, good or bad. I can, if I see this number's off, I can already tell you why. And then I start asking questions to the people about what's happening. So I'm not the person in there micromanaging. I'm not telling them what to do day to day. I expect them to do their job. Um, But when the things are wrong, I'm the first person to fire an email off going, hey, you know, your labor is 3% high. You just cost us $3,000. Yeah. You need to get that in check.
0: Very cool. Good stuff. So courage. We talk on the program about courage. Where did you find the courage to start your own business? Where did you find the courage to overcome the setbacks, um, failures, divorce, bankruptcy, illnesses, things like that? Where did you get your courage? Where did that come from?
1: My, this answer might be different than pretty much anything you've heard before, but because of my background, and I told you before, failing out of high school, no discernible job skills, no—I—I I, I didn't have any other choice. I started a business because I had no other choice. I failed and moved on to the next business because I had no other choice. It's not like when you're married and you've got a three-year-old and your business fails, you're just going to be like, okay, well, whatever. It you know, I'll... It's not like I could go get a job in engineering. I had to move on. I had to move forward. I had to take care of my family. I had to, to fix this. I had to produce. And then there's the internal drive, right? I also have to succeed. I can't be a failure. So courage It's because I had to. That's really what it is. And then at some level, when you become successful, you have to understand that now you have people like today that rely on you. Those people rely on you, and you have to do your job and you have to produce because there are lives and family and childrens and mortgages and car payments and you know health issues and all kinds of stuff that that people are relying on you. So you do it because you have to. And and that's you know that's the probably the best answer I can give you. I just have to do it. Absolutely.
0: Um, and there's different types of courage we talk about. Um, leaders have to tap in different types of courage, right? There's intellectual courage, the courage to set aside your long held beliefs and the knowledge you currently have to make room for brand new knowledge, even if it's coming from one of your subordinates, right? Mm-hmm. Um, empathetic courage, um, mm-hmm. to be able to set aside your emotions, make room for somebody else, uh, social courage, saying what needs to be said, when it needs to be said, even if it's unpopular. Um, if you were talking to a group of entrepreneurs and somebody asked you a question about courage, what kind of courage do you think is most important for them to have
1: going into business? I think the courage to, I'm going to be redundant, the courage to check your ego.
0: Yeah.
1: Right. And be willing to learn and become a better person so that you can be a better leader for the organization. And I'll give you an example. And you just said this a second ago and it struck me when you said it, this was a while back and we had launched a new venture. And uh, when I get into a new venture, I tend to go again from zero to hundred miles an hour. I get hyper-focused. I'm ADHD. So everything, I'm trying to manage a thousand things in my head at the same time, which makes me very short. And to the point, people tell me all the time, you need to be nicer in your emails because you'll just give one word answers or you don't say, hi, you just say, I need this. Yep. Well, that's the way I get when I'm, I'm in drive mode. And I remember we were launched and I've got an assistant that works for me. And she called me one day and she said, I need to talk to you. And I said, what's that? And she came in to see me and she said, I can't work for you anymore. And mind you, this is the person that takes care of everything for me. Like I can't survive without her. Like she knows all my passwords, my social security number, my credit card numbers. She, she'd be like my, my work wife. Right. And I'm suddenly terrified because if she left, I don't know what I would do. And I said, what is wrong? And she said, you're mean. She goes, it's probably why you're successful, but you're so short and you're direct and you expect me to know things I don't know. And you're expecting me to do things I don't know how to do. And when I tell you, I don't know how to do it. You get mad at me. And I had to sit back and go, I'm wrong. I'm sorry. I will never do that again. I apologize. And I had to like apologize for 10 minutes. It takes courage to apologize to your assistant when you're a hyper successful person, but you have to have the courage to realize that yes, you are wrong and you are acting inappropriately. And you need to fix that and get that in check and be a better person. And she did that for me. And that that's just the young lady who works as my assistant. So nice. um, have the courage to get your ego in check and listen to the people around you. That would be the that's big awesome.
0: thing. But to have the, the, the type of culture where people feel that they can come up and say something. You know, a lot of businesses, the minute you stick your head up, you get thumped, you know? Yes.
1: Yeah. Hopefully I don't have that organization. (laughs) (laughs) I was going to say, is that something you guys
0: work on? I mean, focus on, on building a certain type of culture in the business?
1: Um, I wouldn't say we specifically focus on, I think my general managers across the organization do. They're much better at that than I am again, because I try to stay up at the 30,000 feet level. I I try to let people do their own thing and run their own uh, divisions and whatnot. So, Yeah. yeah.
0: Good stuff. Well, the other book we talked about, you've got uh, I Give the Dumb Kids Hope. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, That's more of just a life lessons, right?
1: It is. So the story on that is, and again, remembering my past, no, failed high school, no college, struggled, failed for a lot of years. My children went to a private school. Look, I'm a big proponent of education. I already said that. So they're in private school. And this private school used to give my kids three to four hours of homework every night. And it used to drive me crazy because it's too much. And my kids would be up till 12 o'clock at night doing homework, only to get up at seven to go to school. Yeah. And at the at the time, we're living in this 10,000 square foot house. I got a lake house and a beach house and an airplane and cars and a boat and wave runners. And I don't go to work anymore. And you know, we have this they are the children and the teachers called our house the castle. So I came out of the kitchen in the kitchen one night about one in the morning. I woke up and my daughter's laying in the floor in the kitchen. I said, What are you doing? She's like, I'm studying similar argument. I'm like, honey, you need to go to bed. You're 16 years old. You need to go to bed. Daddy, I need to study. I need to get good grades so I can get into good college so I can get a good job. That's what they teach. I said, honey, those grades are not that important. And she said, you are not supporting my educational goals. I love my daughter. (laughs) I said, honey, if those grades are so important, how do you explain me? And she sat up and she says, you know what, daddy, we actually had a conversation about you in school the other day. (laughs) I said, you did? She goes, I I don't remember what class it was. She goes, yeah, we were discussing you. I said, well, what were you discussing? She said, we decided you give the dumb kids hope. And I was just like, that's the title of my book. And I get a lot of flack for that title, by the way, because people think I'm talking about other kids and I'm not I'm talking about myself. And the fact that it doesn't matter what you've done in your past, you can still overcome and succeed at any level you want to succeed. So that's kind of the (laughs) genesis of that title.
0: That is awesome. So 57 life lessons, any one of them
1: stick out to you? Uh, A lot of stuff in there is about life. And and one of the things I talk about, one of my favorite ones in there is about your children. And it goes back to a comment I made earlier uh, about my daughter. And she said, you know, I need to make my own mistakes. Otherwise, how am I going to learn? And one of my life lessons is sometimes as a parent, you have to be, you have to step back from your children and you need to allow them to fail. You need to be far enough back that they think they're failing on their own, but close enough to catch them when they fall so they don't get hurt. And if you can learn to do that, then you've got a good balance between allowing them to learn as a human being not letting them get too hurt, but maybe a little hurt and they'll be better off moving forward. That's one of my favorite lessons in there.
0: Awesome. Good stuff. So what's next for you? You've, I mean, you've accomplished so much
1: already. You know, I, 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 in my book, I talk about being a business owner versus self-employed, right? And I've been a business owner my whole life. I build intrinsic value in companies and then I sell them. That's what I do. The restaurant chain I have right now will be sold probably in two to three years. I either want to franchise it or sell it. Either way, I'm going to get bought out of the majority of the company yeah. because I'm a builder and I'm not a manager. But I got to tell you, after 30 years of, of having thousands of employees, I'm kind of, kind of getting tired of it. And I think I want to go back to being self-employed. Yeah. I, I don't need to sell another company. And so this is the genesis of the force multiplier mastermind, the speaking stuff I've started to do, the coaching I'm doing. I want to go back to being Brian responsible for Brian and helping other people do, you know, be the best that they can be at what they do. Um, so that's my future. I think it's, it's settling down a little bit and working with, with entrepreneurs.
0: Good stuff. Good stuff. All right. So if people want to get in touch with you, they want to learn more about you. They want to get copies of your books. where can they do that. What's your website?
1: I mean, the dropout multi Millionaire is on every social media platform out there. Um, but the easiest way is to go to my website, which is www.brianwillmedia.com. Okay. Brianwillmedia.com. And, and every, my podcast is on there. My books are on there. Everything is on the website. So that's the easiest way to, to find out everything. Nice.
0: And how long have you been doing the podcast?
1: Uh, not as long as you. I have only got about uh, maybe 15 in the can. So okay. I think we started the first of uh, maybe the middle of December and... I've changed the whole formatting twice. I don't know how you did yours, but I launched (laughs) with one format and realized that wasn't going to work. That happens. So launched a whole new format, which is what we're doing now. And now I'm actually in the middle of maybe even making a third little change. So yeah, the podcast, uh, which I, it's super fun. I'm sure you enjoy doing yours. I love interviewing people and talk about the lessons, but yeah, but I got to tell you, we've gotten a lot of good traction out of it. So I'm pretty excited about the podcast. Excellent.
0: Very cool. All right. Well, I will have all those links in the show notes so everybody can uh, learn about that. Uh, The mastermind will also be available off your website once everything's ready to go. It's in
1: there. It's got its own page, which links to the new website being built.
0: Excellent. Very good. All right. I'll have all that out there. Brian, thank you so much again for taking time out to talk to us. Really appreciate it.
1: One day, Coach Charlie, when I grow up, I want to be like you. Oh, well, (laughs) (laughs) you have a few
0: years to get to where I'm. Yeah. But no, definitely. And when I'm back in Atlanta, I'll look you up. Maybe we can go out and have a coffee or beer or something like that.
1: We'll do it. I'd love that. I appreciate you having me today.
0: Absolutely. All right, listeners, hope you guys were taking notes. A lot of good information here. Definitely check out the website, brianwillmedia.com. Look for his books. Look for the podcast. Look for the Mastermind Group. And uh, share this episode with your family, friends, and colleagues and leave us a, a review because that helps too. All right, that's it for me. Coach Harlan saying so long for now.